And now let's try and tune in to No Good Music from an undisclosed location somewhere in New Jersey. She don't give a crap about her bad reputation. He can't smile too much, right? Because he's trying to play saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a guy with a deep voice every once in a while going, yeah. <laughs> that was his only job. And I was parking. I look up on a marquee and there's my name. He looked like he was out of a horror movie and he was he was thinking of something devious. I'm a rock and roll guy. show 56 and we are remote uh we're we're zooming it today it's been a rough month already getting over covid haven't been to work in a week had to postpone an interview already this is the first of two two podcasts we're going to do and this one's just going to be all about like our album anniversaries new music coming out next month uh, artist spotlight and another new segment and we're going to talk about the grammys a little bit by by the time you hear this it'll probably be old news but and if i sa- don't sound as chipper <laughs> like i i mean i'm not chipper anyway but if i sound sleepy probably need a nap anyway but. <laughs> so we're going to start with albums from 50 years ago and we are at March 1974. Uh, We have some music news. March 2nd, the 16th annual Grammy Awards are presented in Los Angeles. The host was Andy Williams, who actually shares a birthday with me. Um, Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions wins Album of the Year. And Roberta Flack's version of Killing Me Softly with his song wins both Record of the Year and Song of the Year. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I don't even, I haven't heard that song, that Roberta Flack song, and I don't want to, you know, in a long time. That's been covered many times too, I think. This was so long ago, Bette Midler won won a Grammy for Best New Artist. (laughs) Wow, there you go. March 3rd, Elvis Presley played two shows at the Houston Astrodome, breaking attendance records with 44,000. And uh, March 12th, John Lennon is involved in an altercation with a photographer outside the Troubadour in Los Angeles. Lennon and friend Harry Nilsson have been heckling comedian Tommy Smothers and are forced to leave the club. (laughs) They were rebels (laughs) back then. March 16th, Country Music's Grand Old Opry moves to a new location at Opryland USA Theme Park in Nashville, Tennessee. And March 30th, the Ramones play their first concert at the Performance Studio in New York City. Very cool. So albums we have Rush with their debut released on March 18th. It was released in Canada by Moon Records, a group's own label, before it was released internationally by Mercury Records. It says later that year. So this is the, I guess, Canadian release date. So it was recorded five years after the band's formation. Uh, this first release shows much of the hard rock sound typical of many of the popular rock bands emerging. Earlier in the decade, and Rush were fans of such bands as Led Zeppelin, Yes, Cream, and these influences can be heard in most of the songs on the album. Now, I'm not r- real familiar with this album, but I do have the CD. So there were, there were like, there were no hit songs from this. It was their debut. Right. And original drummer uh, was John Russ- Russay. He performed all the drum parts on the album but he was unable to go on extended tours because of complications with his diabetes. And he retired from the band after the album was released. Wow. And he also worked that. Yeah, and he also worked on lyrics for the album. It says, but never submitted them to the other members of the band. <laughs> I guess he was working on songs, but they never made it. 
So the lyrics were instead entirely composed by Geddy Lee and Alec, Alex Lifeson. And Rutsay was soon replaced by Neil Peart, of course, mm-hmm. who served as both drummer and primary lyricist on all uh, subsequent Rush albums. We don't have many um, anniversary, like good anniversary albums uh, this month. I don't know why, but we have Elvis Good Times. Okay. <laughs> and it's not about the TV show. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't do the theme song, I don't think. <laughs> this is his 12th studio album, released on March 20th, 1974. And the album is made up of first pick songs from a session held at Stack Studios in Memphis in December 73. Two songs I've got a thing about, You Baby and Take Good Care of Her. They were left over from the session uh, at Stacks in July of 73. And this was released the same day as Elvis uh, recorded his live on stage in Memphis. So this was uh, that day this was released. He was that was that show for that album. And the title for this album was taken from the song Talk About the Good Times. And many of the songs are covers of hits at the time, like Spanish Eyes and She Wears My Ring. And it charted low at the time of its release. It was considered typical 1970s Elvis material and was his first album to hit the cutout bins. (laughs) So they would cut the corner of the record and I think they would be like a dollar or something like that. Uh, Okay. Interesting. They were, you know, let's get rid of these albums. (laughs) They couldn't sell them for regular price anymore. The album did have some success uh, upon its original release, becoming a Cashbox country album number one hit and charting in the top 50 in the UK. Original copies of the LP with the sticker on the cover stating the singles on the album are very rare and sell for... (laughs) A lot of money on auction sites. The song My Boy hit number one on the adult contemporary charts. And that does it for the albums turning 50. Uh, except we have some honorable mentions. We got Queen 2, which is not a very... It's one of the lesser known albums from Queen. I didn't see any songs that were singles <laughs> off of that one. And we had Aerosmith, uh, Get Your Wings. Oh, that's a good, good album. Which I think that was an album I got in my mystery box that I bought. Nice. And that has same old song and dance on it. I like that song. Yep. Now, 40 years ago, it was March 1984. We have some news. Sting plays his last concerts with the police at the end of the Synchronicity Tour. Mm-hmm. Band takes a pause after the tour and only play a few special events together after this until 2007 when they would organize a reunion tour. And Alice Cooper, who has not toured for his last two albums, parts ways with his longtime label Warner Brothers, and he goes on hiatus from music, from the music industry. He won't come back till 86. Albums from March 84 is, this is Spinal Tap. It's a soundtrack to the film. Uh, released March 2nd, 1984. And it was re-released in 2000 with lyrics and two versions of Christmas with the Devil as bonus tracks. You know, who can forget these songs? Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight. (laughs) Heavy Duty. Big Bottom. Sex Farm. And the early hits, Give Me Some Money. And their first hit, Listen to the Flower People. Have you seen Spinal Tap, Jeremy? I have not. You have not seen... Oh, that might be... That's a podcast. (laughs) There we go. The Spinal Tap. Okay. So the the real drummer on the album, his name is Rick Parnell, Mm -hmm. and he played Mick Shrimpton in the film. And the joke in the film is that each of the drummers doesn't... They don't last that long because they die in different circumstances. Interesting. Mick Shrimpton, he dies from spontaneous combustion. Mm. But later, oh, when Spinal Tap would, uh, when they were on tour, they hired this guy, Rick Parnell. Now, Mick Shrimpton was, he had died in the movie. He was 
uh, Mick's twin brother, Rick Shrimpton. Oh, when okay. They, when they toured. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so then we have Berlin Love Life. Uh, third studio album, uh, New Wave Band Berlin, mm-hmm. uh, released March 12th, 1984. And four singles were released from the album, including No More Words, which became the band's first top 40 single on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, peaked at number 23. And the second single, Now It's My Turn, peaked at 74. The album became the band's highest charting album on the Billboard 200, peaked at number 23. We have the Cars Heartbeat City, fifth studio album, uh, another new, considered new wave band, uh, released March 13th, 1984. And this marks the band's first album not produced by longtime producer Roy Thomas Baker, and instead opting to produce with Robert John Mutt Lang. Oh. It was produced a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. This was considered a comeback album for the Cars. Music critic Robert Crisco noted that the glossy approach has made this the, the best year for pure pop in damn near 20 years. And it's only fair that they should return so confidently to form. And we had the songs Drive, You Might Think, reaching the top 10. And the album peaked at number three on Billboard 200. Honorable mentions, uh, we have Talk Show by the Go-Go's, which had the song Head Over Hills on it. But it was the beginning of the end. It was their third album. The vacation was pretty much over. That's my joke. Yeah, the Go-Go's didn't. I think that was their last. I think they might have released another album like later. I was surprised. I thought they had more albums out, but they didn't. Oh, they were probably going to do, you know, big movie roles like Clue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 30 seconds of fame for Jane Cleveland. There you go. (laughs) And then we have Run DMC, their self-titled album. This album, uh, it actually, it was number 14 on the R&B hip hop album chart. But it was the first rap album which was certified as gold by the RIAA. But it wasn't until their third album, Raising Hell, that was in 1986, where they became a lot bigger. So now we have uh, March 94, music news. We have March 1st, Nirvana play their final concert in Munich. Frank Sinatra receives a Grammy Legend Award. Sinatra's acceptance speech is cut short. Other artists criticized the producer's decision during, during the show. And Billy Joel, who we'll be talking about a little later, is, takes extra time to perform his song, The River of Dreams, noting that he is wasting valuable airtime. So he, right. because Sinatra was cut short, he decided <laughs> to go longer and kind of mess with them. March 18th, Courtney Love calls the police fearing that her husband, uh, Kurt, Kurt Cobain, is suicidal. Police confiscate four guns and 25 boxes of ammo from Cobain's home, which was most likely planted by Courtney Love. You know, this is, this is the start of her gaslighting Kurt Cobain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, March 31st, Madonna uh, was on The Late Show with David Letterman. And she made headlines with her profanity-laced interview. And Robin Williams, uh, I guess he was also on the show, later describes the segment as battle of wits with an unarmed woman. (laughs) Put Madonna down. Okay, we have albums uh, from March 94. We got Beck, Mellow Gold. It's his third studio album, released on March 1st, 94. Critics noted the album's hybrid of various styles, including rock, hip-hop, folk, blues, psychedelia, and country, as well as ironic, witty lyrics. And as of July 2008, Mellow Gold has sold over 1.2 million copies. The Did album... that have Loser on the album? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I have a funny fact about that song. Okay. You know the movie Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. They wanted to use that song in the movie, and Beck thought that it would be a bad fit and chose not to have the song used in the film. Oh, wow. 
So and it could have been even obviously, bigger. I, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, no, that's I, I stumbled upon that a couple of days ago. I thought it was interesting for us as well. Yeah, it's weird how people make decisions based on what, whatever he was thinking at the time. Maybe he didn't want to be too commercial. I mean, he's still, Beck is still bit, not as big as he was, but, and that song went on to become, you know, a big song. Now there's a robot on the cover. It was created by, it's a weird cover, created by Eddie Lopez. The robot's name is actually Survivor from the Nuclear Bomb. That's the name of the robot. And in 1994 interview at Rolling Stone, Beck said of the album, the whole concept of Mellow Gold I want to keep calling it, I want to call it Mellow Yellow, but it's Mellow Gold. <laughs> Is that cool. it's like a satanic K-Tel record that's been found in a trash dumpster, quite matter-of-factly. Oh, this is weird, because I this whole thing, how he describes the album, I don't know what he was on, but he says a few people have molested it and slept with it and half-swallowed it before spitting it out. Someone played poker with it. Someone tried to smoke it. It's trying to rhyme there. Then the record was taken to Morocco and covered with hummus and tabbouleh. I don't know what that is. It goes on. Then <laughs> this is them asking him what he thought of what he how he could describe the album. Then it was flown <laughs> back to a convention of water skiers who skied on it and played frisbee with it. Then the record was put on the turntable and the original Kato album had reached a whole new level. So there you go. I don't know. <laughs> now this was recorded at his, I guess his friend's house using a four track, which is okay. interesting. Cause I want to say, I think I don't remember the whole album, but I, th I think it has that kind of garage band, not garage band, but mm -hmm. kind of, it's not overproduced. And then we have Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral, uh, the second studio album released on March 8th. And it's described as a concept album detailing the self-destruction of a man from the beginning of his misanthropic downward spiral to his suicidal breaking point. So it says the album was a commercial success. I don't have numbers here, but I think I had that album because I, I, I think the first one was Pretty Hate Machine. We got Soundgarden Super Unknown, and I had the CD. I think I, I still do. This is a great album. It's the fourth studio album by Soundgarden, released March 8th. It said Super Unknown retained the heaviness of the band's earlier releases while displaying a more diverse range of influences. It became the band's breakthrough album, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, selling 310,000 copies in its opening week. And five singles were released. The Day I Tried to Live, My Wave, Fell on Black Days, Spoon Man, and Black Hole Sun. Uh, the latter of two, which won Grammy Awards. And in April 2019, it was ranked number nine on Rolling Stone's 50 Greatest Grunge Albums list. Number nine. We have one more. And I only have it on here because I... I've always loved this band, and it's Pink Floyd, The Division. Band. Well. Mm -hmm. I love that album. That's one of my favorites. And it's the 14th album, released March 28th, 94. It's the second Pink Floyd album recorded without founding member Roger Walters. It was written mostly by guitarist and singer David Gilmour and keyboardist Richard Wright. And it features Wright's first lead vocal on a Pink Floyd album since The Dark Side of the Moon, which was in 1973. And Gilmore's fiancée, the novelist Polly Sampson, co-wrote many of the lyrics, which deal with themes of communication. It was the last Pink Floyd studio album to be composed of entirely new material, and the last recorded with Wright, who died in 2008. Now, it received mixed reviews but it did reach number one in more than 10 countries, including the UK and the US. And in the US, it was certified double platinum in 1994 and triple platinum in 99. Wow. And Pink Floyd promoted it with a tour of the US and Europe. And the tour sold more than 5 million tickets and made around $100 million 
$1,000 in gross income. So it sounded like a pretty good success for David Gilmore. For sure. And Roger Walters is still <laughs> performing and giving his opinions. Very political. I love Pink Floyd, though. I listened to Dark Side of the Moon the other night. Again. Oh, yeah? Nice. I don't know how many times. And I have Keep the CD, and I have one. to say, even the C, you know, because I'm really into albums and vinyl, but the mm -hmm. CD, I don't know, just, it's it's so clear, and so it's it's a brilliant album. Yep. You know, just... Can't go wrong with that album. Yeah. I mean, Pink Floyd is not your... It's not your typical... It's not a pop band, you know? It's it's There's a lot to Pink Floyd, right. lyrically, musically. Unless it's like... Um, you know, wish you were here or something like that. You can just pick up a guitar, I think, and <laughs> play a lot of the Pink Floyd songs. There's a lot going on there. Okay, so that does it for our album anniversaries. Some of those 30-year albums hit close to home, man. Doesn't feel like they should be that old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Especially Nine Inch Nails. It's like, wow. They're still putting out... <laughs> Not that that means anything, but when you say Soundgarden... I can kind of put that in the memory bank because of you know, events that happen, but I don't know. Nine Inch Nails is like, damn, that's, I can't believe they've been around for 30 plus years already. Yeah, you were pretty young in the 90s. For me, yeah. I was just um, engaged or married, or, and, but I, I switched to grunge, you know, in the 90s. And it still mean, you know, it's still for me. To think it was 30 years ago, too, because I was yeah. in my late, I was in my 20s, well, late 20s, but. Hey, that was your 20s. <laughs> okay, next we have new albums. For uh, March 2024. So March 4th, we have someone that I haven't heard of in a long time. And it's Bruce Hornsby. And it's Bruce Hornsby and Y Music. And it looks like it's a band called B-R-H-Y-M. I think it's a combination of Bruce Hornsby and Y Music. I don't know who Y Music is. <laughs> it's weird because it's... It's called Deep Sea Vents. I listen, I think there's a, a single release. There must be, because I listened to one of the songs. Okay. And it's kind of, all I can say is that like electronic jazz. Ah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's not your typical Bruce Hornsby. I don't know if there's any, I don't remember if there's any lyrics even. <laughs> so that's March 1st. Then we have... Liam Gallagher, who I love Oasis. <laughs> yep. I, and I like Liam more than uh, Noel. Noel has put out some good albums, but I, I don't know why. Liam is probably because Liam's like the bad, you know, bad guy. The, oh, yeah. The villain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's putting out this album with John Squire. Now, John Squire, okay. no one knows, is from a band called The Stone Roses, which I believe were a 90s band i want to yeah say. yeah maybe the 2000s i've heard of them before yeah now this is, is he any relation to billy square or no i don't know <laughs> oh okay sorry i put you on the spot there just... <laughs> whenever liam or noel sing it's kind of sounds like oasis to me anyway but this is this yeah, is just agreed this is just like not really it's rock but it's kind of i'd say smooth rock maybe pop poppy kind of rock now, Liam has been pretty pro prolific the last five years. He's re releasing uh, solo albums like every other year since 2017. Maybe most people don't know. It's his last solo album. I don't know the name of it, but really good. I don't know why no one's... You don't see him anywhere. You don't see him... Right. I mean, I'm sure he's toured, but you don't see him on Jimmy Fallon or as far as I know. Which makes me think there, there's a new um, Rod Stewart album coming out. Right. And unfortunately, I should know the date of it, but I don't. <laughs> I 
and it's a swing album and it's Jules Holland and uh, Jules Holland's band who we talked to the bass player from that band, Dave Swift, who I've become kind of friends with. It made me remember because Rod Stewart and Jules Holland were on, uh, I think Jimmy Fallon last week, which I, gotcha. I have to watch. Oh, I do have a note in here. There's a song called Just Another Rainbow off this Liam Gallagher, mm -hmm. John Squire album. Uh, song starts out kind of dreamy, then breaks into a a nice, like I have riff here and nice guitar solo. It's a five minute song. It's a, re it's a really good song, Just Another Rainbow. Now the next two bands I've never heard of, but Jeremy, you should give these a listen. <laughs> these on here. just to make me laugh mannequin okay. puss mannequin pussy all right i got heaven i'm not making these up it sounds like i am but pissed jeans half divorce oh, yes that's all off right. a sub pop label there pissed jeans check them out pissed actually jeans, i didn't listen right. to them so i don't know what they sound like now we have the band bleachers i don't know if you heard of the band bleachers Nope. Jeremy, this Can't comes out March 8th. <laughs> Should check them out because the lead singer is Jack Antonoff. Jack Antonoff is Taylor Swift's friend. And oh, okay. he helps her. I don't know if he produces. He was with her at the Grammys. Gotcha. Yeah, he was tagging along at the Grammys with her. Now, I don't know if Taylor's on his album. Uh... This album is self-titled, which I always found it strange with a band. They've been around 10 years now to all of a sudden put out a self-titled album. It's like, uh, I can't think of yeah. a title, you know. <laughs> we have Ariana Grande, who I'm not really a fan of, but maybe some of our listeners are Eternal Sunshine. Uh, here's an old band, The Jesus and Mary Chain, Glasgow Eyes. Might check that out. Uh, Kim Gordon, who is from uh, from Sonic Youth. That's an that's an old. Oh, there you album. go. Okay, yes, it is. She has an album, The Collective. I listened to her single "Bye Bye." She is a she is a strange person. Sonic Youth was a strange band. I had one yes, of their albums, and it was like nothing I had ever heard before. And it's so hard to describe. They aren't your typical, you know, verse chorus verse bridge that it's just one of those bands that are a little bit all over the place yeah. so this song i have here i think nine inch nails meets laurie anderson if anyone knows laurie anderson it's like more um theatrical kind of music okay like spoken word uh, i mean this is like spoken word with some industrial sounds going on in the background because kim gordon can't really Nothing against her, but she can't really sing. She kind right. of speaks, sings. And that's what Laurie Anderson, I think, did. And then we have a band that I've just recently started liking is the Libertines. Uh, All Quiet on the Eastern Esplanade. That's on, this says it's on Casablanca Records. I didn't even know they were still. <laughs> it says Casablanca slash Republic. Maybe Ken, my Ken, friend Ken Vale. He can tell us. He's in, he knows Casablanca records, you know, very well. <laughs> Kiss was on there. Nice. Nice. March 15th, we had the Black Crows. They're yep. back with Happiness I've Bastards. I've seen that one. Mm -hmm. And that's one I want to check out for sure. Yeah. Their last album was 15 years ago. They're almost like Oasis, like with the Fighting Brothers. They separated for three years in 2012, got back together. They fought again in two. <laughs> I have notes here. They fought again in 2015. They got back together in 2019. So there you go. And we got Justin Timberlake, who I'm not interested at all. And I don't know. He's a, <laughs> he's a funny guy. You know him and Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Doing their Bee Gees thing on SNL a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, his album is everything I thought it was. So maybe the album's something I, you know, maybe I thought it was, and it's not. Maybe it's everything I thought it was, and then I wouldn't like it. Yeah, that's the <laughs> name of the album. Uh, March 22nd. Uh, let's see. 
this is a uh, artist I just checked it. Julia Julia Holter, her name is something in the room she moves. It's called. I listen as kind of interesting. Um, she's been described as Susie Sue, you know, from the Susie and the Banshees meets Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. Now the single Sun Girl I did listen to kind of reminded me of when I was in the Enya. I would actually <laughs> listen to Enya a lot at one time. I had my phases, like I said. Yeah. If anyone's keeping notes, you know, I had my Barry Manilow phase, my air supply phase, which I don't like to talk about anymore. I've been told not to talk about that anymore. Um, She also sounds like, uh, how do you, is her name Sade? S-A-D-E? Sade? Something like that. Yeah. I have here, it's soothing and disturbing music at the same time. So... (laughs) Sun Girl, <laughs> check that out. Now there's She Nut. This is another new one. D the the Marcation EP. I have the I have here. I have the feeling we'll be reviewing this one in the next um, album roulette. <laughs> this this is don't listen. To, I'm I'm gonna tell. I have this on here because if She Nut comes up, you know, and you're like, oh, what's a, what is this? Do not listen to this. <laughs> because there's, there's a the single is Condoleezza, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of n words, so don't oh jeez, don't be humming this one, okay? Okay, yeah. I was I was kind of shocked, not shocked, but you know. And then we have uh, March 29th, Cheryl Crow. Evolution. Now, I don't have the singles listed here. But the one, there's two singles. The one is called Alarm Clock. And I think it's, I think it's the worst, I think it's, it's up there now with one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a, literally a song about her alarm clock going off. But the chorus is so annoying. It's annoying. <laughs> and then I saw her, might've been on Instagram or TikTok. I think it was tick I think she's on TikTok now, Cheryl Crow. And she okay. was she had her guitar and she was doing that song. It's just as annoying as the recorded <laughs> version. So So that's new stuff coming out. I'm sure we probably missed a couple things. I know Green Day, the new album, Saviors, mm-hmm. which I really like, came out already. talk about this is our segment artist spotlight and this is probably again when you know this album came out on a friday and i just oh what's this started listening to it and it is a jazz singer from iceland you don't hear too many (laughs) jazz singers from iceland she is from reykjavik which i i don't know iceland I've I've only been to the airport, so I assume there's just one town because all I hear is Reykjavik, and that's where Bjork is from. <laughs> okay. I just imagine there's like one big town in Iceland. I don't know. I'm sure there's other right. towns. So her name, now I wanted to, I was pr- mispronouncing it wrong. It's L-A-U-F-E. So you want to say, you want to call her Laffy, right? Laff. But it's Leve. Leve, because yeah. it's Icelandic. Right. Right? Her father's Icelandic. Her mother's Chinese. Now she achieved prominence in the early 2020s for her success as a jazz artist, and critics noting that her jazz-inflected songs have received considerable success for a genre that has largely declined commercially. And I actually hold on. I know our listeners can't see this, but no, she's not naked nice. on the cover. It's like a mermaid, right. a little yeah. silver star Pretty there. Star earring, yeah. This is on orange vinyl. And you can only, I think you can only get this album from her website. I don't know where it came from. 
Oh, no. I, I think I have it here. Yeah, I'll tell you about it in a minute. She performed as a... She played the cello uh, with the Iceland Symphony Orchestra, age 15. And she was a finalist on Iceland's Got Talent. Bet you didn't know there was an Iceland's Got Talent. <laughs> I had no idea. But she was a finalist in 2014. And before, she was a semi-finalist on The Voice Iceland. There's a Voice Iceland. <laughs> that was in 2015. So we don't think Thanks. about these things, you know, in the no, U.S. not at all. Yeah. I mean, I know there's English versions of shows, but you don't think maybe there's Irish versions. Maybe there's Italy. Has, maybe Italy's got talent. There's probably, you know. Right. And then she released her debut EP, Typical of Me, in 2021. She graduated from the Berkeley College of Music in Boston, believe it or not. This is her second album, Bewitched, which I'm talking about, uh, tw came out last year. And with a single from the start, finding chart success in Canada, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. And believe it or not, I was very surprised because, like I said, I've liked her since last year. And I got this album maybe a month or two ago. And then mm -hmm. with the Grammys, she won a Grammy Award wow. for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album and then making her the youngest winner in that category. I should be a music, uh, you know, I'm, I should work for a record company, even though she already yeah. put out the album. But I, <laughs> I don't know. Although she was influenced by and played classical music from an early age, she turned to her father's records of female jazz musicians, such as Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, to develop her musical style. And she has cited Fitzgerald and Chet Baker as her biggest artistic influences. I think there's a song in here that Chet Baker did do. Because I, I also like Chet Baker. I don't know. There, there's some jazz standards on this album. She has a very pleasant voice. There's some songs on here I just simply love. I mean, I've listened to this album like three times since I got it. Yeah. Wow. Which, which says something. I mean, you know, if I'm, if I'm at the computer doing stuff and. I'll put this album, I've been putting this album on. I just love it. Now, she also cites <laughs> Taylor Swift, Nora Jones, and Adele as inspirations. She said, Taylor Swift has done for pop and country what I hope to do for jazz. So maybe she'll be dating a, you know, football player soon in the future. <laughs> you know, who knows? You can find her website at... Uh, Leve, which is L-A-U-F-E-Y, levemusic.com. There is a silver vinyl, which is sold out. And she only has a CD available. And you can stream the album, of course. Now, I got this vinyl, which I was going to say, I want to tell you about darksiderecords.com. It's legit. They have, you know, anything and everything there as far as vinyl. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they sell CDs or, or just buying. I know they sell, they also sell other stuff. I think they sell t-shirts, like rock shirts and stuff like that. Okay. But I got this for $28, which is actually a pretty good price for a new album. And uh, right. especially on a color vinyl. And, you know, plus the shipping. Shipping was probably eight. But I've seen it on eBay going for $50. So that's the thing. You got to yeah. look around. So anyone that collects vinyl, check out darksiderecords.com. So that was our artist spotlight. Leve, L-A-U-F-E-Y, check her out. Even if you don't like jazz, like, if you just like good vocalists, like good, I don't know. Some people only listen to, I really believe some people only listen to certain types of music. They don't, right. like you told me, you, you don't like instrumental but I'm sure there's some instrumental stuff that, like soundtracks. Like, I know you love Edward Scissorhands, so, you know, I have that on CD. I'm... Yep, for sure. Next, I want to talk about the Grammys. 
Now, did you watch any of the Grammys, Jeremy? I did not. What? Now, normally, I don't watch, I don't sit there and watch entire award shows anymore. My wife and I have too many TV shows <laughs> that we have, you know, that we watch. That's what, Sundays are, you know, our reality TV night. 90 okay. Day Fiance. We have a schedule. Yeah. So I did put this on in the beginning. And then I put it on towards the end. Trevor Noah was the host. You know, he has his own, he used to have his own show. I don't know where he is, what he does now. I used to listen to him. Where are they now? Political guy, but it was kind of cool. He was, he was, instead of him being up on the stage telling, you know, making fun of people, he was on the floor making fun of people, you know, walking around the tables. The weirdest thing though, the show had already started. We're like five minutes in, maybe. And there, here's Taylor Swift walking through the middle of the, the room with an entourage. It's like, <laughs> you know, I, I, you and I like Taylor Swift, but I'm like, I can't say I'm, I think I'm getting sick of the, I don't know, the, the coverage, the media. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little too much. Lenny Kravitz was there who, he's, he's got sunglasses on. You know, he wasn't even being nominated, I think, for anything. He's got a leather, he's wearing leather. I I think (laughs) he thought he was getting an award or something. I don't know what's going on. But have you seen Lenny Kravitz? He, no. I think he's a couple years younger than me. He has not aged in 30 years. Like, what is going on? Right. (laughs) Um, You know, I remember back when he said, Are you going to go my way? And I didn't take him up on the offer. It's too late now. You know, and I should have, we should have all gone with Lenny Kravitz. I don't know where he went. He went to, you know, the Fountain of Youth. We didn't know it. Apparently. So, (laughs) now they did have the memorandum or whatever you call it. What is it? The in, in, and they, I like, they did mention Melanie. Melanie, uh, we interviewed Kaufman, uh, was it? Hmm? Kinnaman. Kinnaman. I was trying to think of her last name. Melanie. It was either like Kaufman or Kinnaman, something like that. That's not her last name. Oh. It's, Wasn't she at Woods? She was one of the first people yeah, at Woodstock. Yeah, her last name right? Safka. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of somebody else then. She just goes by I know Melanie. who. Yeah. Got it. I'm thinking of her, but I'm confusing the name with someone else. And I think, weren't you there at the, when we met her, you were with yes. me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was at Scheller back April last year. And then Matt and I interviewed her and she wanted us to interview her again, but it was too, too soon. But I, I did have her cell number and we text back and forth a couple of times, but I was very sad to hear. I know she had some health problems, but she was working on new stuff and you know, that's what People still keep doing what they're doing, what they like to do. So, but I was happy that they mentioned her and yeah, and yeah, she did play at Woodstock. So she was uh, very well known back in the seventies, but probably one of those people that uh, people have forgotten over time. So, but I think the interview we did was, I think it was in August, July or August. So, um, so I, I, Turned on Billy, uh, the, the end of the Grammys, Billy Joel actually re, rewound it because um, I wanted to see it. And I'm sure everybody knows Billy Joel has a new song called Turn the Lights Back On. Have you heard the song, Jeremy? I have. I love this song. It's, As I say, I really like it. But I was surprised to find out that he didn't write the song. You know, it sounds oh, really? so, yeah, it sounds so Billy Joel. It does. Um, and people are saying, which I kind of agree, at the Grammys, he didn't sound good singing this song. It's, it's fairly new. Maybe he's never sang it before. Because then he closed out the Grammys with You May Be Right. And he really got into it and really sounded good. But he's done that song a thousand times. Yeah, right. Now, Billy Joel wrote the song. It's weird because when you go on Apple Music, if you look up this song in the lyrics, it tells you underneath the title who wrote it and it just says billy joel (laughs) 
It was written uh, with this guy, Arthur Bacon, Wayne Hector, and the song's producer, Freddie Wexler. Okay. And I don't think he's related to Paul Wexler, who we interviewed, who is a producer. Right. And his father was Jerry Wexler. But now this guy, Freddie Wexler, he's worked with Ariana Grande, Selena Gomez, Post Malone. And he is the person that got Billy Joel to record a new song. Right? Okay. And this is uh, amazing because he knew, get this, he knew someone who knew Billy Joel's family doctor. And the doctor urged Billy Joel to meet a kid, in quotes, interested in discussing music uh, near his place uh, out in Sag Harbor. And Billy Joel agreed to go to lunch with this guy. Interesting. So Billy Joel doesn't know this guy. Maybe he looked him up, and like I said, he's produced Selena Gomez, Post Malone. Right. So he wasn't some schlub that, you know, had a notebook of songs that he wrote <laughs> and never part of the music industry or anything. The guy's right. 37. He's from Los Angeles. But he... um he grew up in New York, and he's been trying to track down Billy Joel for a, for a while. He convinced Billy Joel to sing the lyrics. Like, somehow, they got into the recording studio, and he told them about this song he wrote, and he'd be perfect for the song. Somehow convinced Billy Joel to sing. And Billy Joel's response after... You know, after they put it all together, he said, I don't hate it. <laughs> that was his response. <laughs> I don't hate it. So I'm hoping maybe with the help of this guy, you know, maybe they write together. Maybe it's a right. combination album. He produces it. I'd love to hear new Billy Joel stuff. Agreed. I've liked Billy Joel since I was a teen. So long time. You, you can't go wrong <clears throat> with any Billy Joel album, typically yeah. speaking. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, I want to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. Which people are probably tired of hearing of. And actually, we're, we're recording right now. The, um, the day is, uh, tonight is the Super Bowl. So we already know that Taylor Swift is, is going to be there. Do you know that? Is she? For sure? Yeah, they're tracking her plane. They, are I, they last... really? I, I, <laughs> she was performing in Tokyo last <laughs> night, right? She landed, which is the issue, like last night or something. Okay, in Las, so the Las whole conflict Vegas. was, yeah, she had like a a performance in Tokyo, Japan. I think yeah. it was. You know, she made and, it back, but because their time is ahead of us, mm -hmm. she was able to get back to, in time for the Super Bowl. But they weren't sure if she was actually going to be able to make it or do it. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. That I heard that she's back. I wonder if she spent the, you know, like $6 million for a suite. Well, no, her, her boyfriend paid for the, the suite at the Super Bowl, I heard. Oh, did he? For the family. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I didn't his, know. Mom, his family and her family. What, I don't know. The last I had heard, Travis Kelsey's mom was saying she was going to be in the stands because she couldn't afford the suite. So I didn't know if he was like, yeah. actually there one or not. No, I think they're going to make it happen. I just hope they don't focus okay. too much on, you know, the thing is they, even the regular games, they didn't really focus on Taylor Swift. It was, it was, it's, no. it was the media afterwards. It's media Showing, and then random yeah. people that are just angry to be angry. Yeah. They, they pulled like one or two photos and then it's all over. Like, like the whole game yeah. was them showing Taylor Swift. So, and she has a right to be there. Was there a, you know, there was a website that was tracking her time, like on camera. And I want to say the last four or five games, she averaged like three and a half seconds for the entire yeah. game. Yeah. I know. <laughs> of being on camera. And everybody, oh my God, all they're just talking yeah. about Taylor Swift. And it's like, no, she's literally there for a second. I think it's them just perpetuating slow news day and then people pick up on it and people yep. people who kind of knew of taylor swift now have an opinion 
whether they listen to our yeah. music or not, which is ridiculous. Yep. So anyway, my thing is, I do think the Grammys are somewhat rigged. I mean, it's hard to say. <laughs> I don't know what the age is, who votes on, you know, who gets a Grammy on the committee. But I think because this was historical with Taylor Swift, most wins mm -hmm. for album of the year. I have to say, I, I do have two other ones to compare her album to, which is Olivia Rodrigo, which I wouldn't say is better than Taylor's album. I think they're on the same. Right. It's the same. But Lena Del Rey, I think album was much better. I think Taylor knew this because Taylor brought Lena Del Rey up on stage. I don't know if you saw any of this. No, I Lena didn't. Del Rey was sitting at the same table as Taylor. When Taylor got up, of course, Taylor is like shocked. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was, you know, real or to, I don't know. How can you be shocked? If, I don't know. I think maybe she was shocked that her album won. I mean, maybe she didn't think it was her best. I, I don't know. I don't know her opinion on her own album or if any, you know, right. some people don't give their own opinions on their own albums, but. And then people made a big thing about Celine Dion was the one who announced and Taylor didn't even acknowledge her when she went up on stage. She just took the award. But I think it's the moment. I mean, put yourself in that moment. Everything's going on. You're on live TV. I don't think she was dissing Celine. She was just, Taylor was, had so much, has so much going on. I mean, think about it. In the middle of a tour, she's at the Grammys. It's a big thing. For sure. And then afterwards, Taylor that was seen with Celine. So, you know, they kind of, and the rumor was that Celine Dion didn't want to, she's got this condition, uh, some kind of muscular condition where her muscle, everything hurts. So the thing was not to hug Celine, not to even touch her. So that going on. Right. Now, Taylor announced her new album which she did say uh, she wasn't going to announce it unless she won a Grammy, you know, if she was up on stage. And it's called The Tortured Poets Department. So the new album will come out April 19th. I think we've already gotten the e email for the pre-order. And listeners... I saw it, and then I think, I think you messaged me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And listeners don't hate me, but I did pre-order the album. You know what's interesting? I don't own the last album. Cause I, oh, I know. Because I, I really didn't... I mean, maybe I need to listen to it a couple more times. I don't know. Midnight's. Uh, right. I don't have it. So the, the awards are what they are. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing giving an award. You being up against other people in the same industry. I mean, Jeremy, imagine if at your job, you know, they gave out awards. <laughs> and yep, the the gift bags were thirty six thousand dollar gift bag, thirty six thousand dollars. And I know these are companies that probably donated their items, sort of as advertising, hoping to get people right. to buy more. I mean, Jeremy, imagine if you if you got an award for best brewed coffee in the break area at your. I know you don't go in the work, but just let's say, yeah, I do, I do a couple days a week, yeah. Yeah, but the guy you work next to, he thought he had the best coffee. So now you got to... Right. That's probably why they don't give awards out it. Although on the office, they had the Dundee Awards. You know, having to work side by side someone, and, you know, you just won an award. But look, you, you got Taylor Swift <laughs> sitting with Lena Del Rey at the same table, and she just won a Grammy, and Lena didn't. And Lena's hard right. to read because Lena doesn't show any emotion. No smile, you know, nothing. And then one last thing is about Jay-Z. I think, I really think Beyonce at this point is famous for being famous, which I like to say. Okay. There's certain people that are famous <laughs> for being famous. Now get this, Beyonce has been nominated 88 times. 88. Okay. Wow. She yep. has 32 Grammy Awards. 32 Grammy Awards. Okay. And he is complaining that she's never won album of the year. <laughs> but maybe her, her last album, like a lot of the, the one song, I think there were 15 writers on her song. 
So what is Beyonce? But she might as well be doing cover tunes. Right. Which is fine. I mean, look at Linda Ronstadt. All she did was cover tunes. I don't know if Linda Ronstadt ever won a Grammy. You know, and it's this thing, this this um, thing where the person becomes so huge, so famous, that it's almost a given that everything they do is incredible. That's why I'm not afraid to say I don't like the last Taylor Swift album, because I don't think everything she does is, is great. So, right. I don't know. So that's all I have to say <laughs> about the awards. <laughs> so it's not anything too major, but um, we've talked about Paramore before mm-hmm. on the podcast. So Paramore has uh, declared themselves as freshly independent, and they're going to be the ambassadors for Record Store Day 2024. They're going to be what? They're going to be the ambassadors for ambassadors. Record Store Day 2024. Okay. So, What's that mean? Yeah. What's that entail? Are they going to show up at one of the records for days? I, I know I they have know. some That's celebration, maybe in California. I do know they have, sometimes they have bands play. It's April 20th. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do, but I know Record Store Day typically, you know, there's a lot of deals out there from mm-hmm. mom and pop shops for music. Yeah. We'll, we'll throw you different sales or coupons or discounts, that type of thing. So I'm not sure if they're going to perform at a store or show up at, you know, maybe it's a new area stores, the members, maybe it's a special EP, new songs. Yeah, it might be. (laughs) So anyway, I like Paramore. So Mm -hmm. I saw that article and I thought it was something interesting. So just wanted to bring it to the attention. Yeah. It's just weird. They wiped their Instagram. They do have some things on there now. But all the old stuff. I yes. mean, they just put out, didn't their album come out last year? Because that was on your list. It almost made my list. Yeah. But, uh, Absolutely. But, but they're, they're freshly independent. <laughs> but they just recorded a, a song for, I wish I could remember what it was. It's a compilation album. That's why they, that's what they were posting. I forget what it is now. Interesting. Okay, so we have our last segment. So we have our last segment, and it's not really a new segment. Uh, It's where we talk about an artist you may not have heard of, but who has contacted, or I have contacted, and we are allowed to play part of their song. So I'm calling this Give It a Listen. (laughs) There you go. And we encourage uh, artists to email us their music. And preferably if it's something they recorded in the last year or two. I have two artists here, but the one is an old friend of mine. So it's 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 from a little bit more than a couple years ago, his song. Um so you can email us at nogoodmusicpodcast at gmail dot com. Now this first song uh came from my friend Maureen. She's a publicist with Gem Records. And Gem Records is a New Jersey based record distributor they have the uh grip weeds on there the weaklings which uh glenn burtnick is the bass player for them he was in sticks for a little while so they have some good bands on there and they also have um mark Lindsay, who was the lead singer for paul revere and the raiders that was a 60s band so we have so this artist his name is paul collins Hmm. not to be confused with phil collins no relation. <laughs> now, Paul began his career as a drummer, sometimes singer and songwriter, in an influential Los Angeles power pop trio, The Nerves, alongside Jack Lee and future Plimsolls frontman Peter Case. So the band, The Nerves, best remembered for their song Hanging on the Telephone, which was later made famous by Blondie. And it was written by Jack Lee from The Nerves. So we're talking about Paul here. But in 2011, Green Day launched uh, their American Idiot Broadway musical production. And each night included a live rendition of the song Walking Out on Love, which was written by Paul Collins. Okay. Interesting. The song was previously recorded by 
uh, Collins groups the beat, the nerves, and the breakaways. And to celebrate the success of the musical, the Paul Collins beat, that's the name of the band, joined Green Day on stage for live performances in New York. Nice. So this is Paul's new song, new single. It's called I'm the Only One for You, which features Dwight Twilley. Unfortunately, passed away in October. And he had some hits in the 70s and 80s. That his song is from the LP Stand Back and Take a Good Look. Comes out on February 16th, which is um, by the time you hear this, this, the album will be out. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So this song has a, like a 50s, 60s kind of feel to it. And it has a chord progression that sounds really familiar to me. Like another song, but I can't figure out what song it sounds like. I'm going to play a little bit of the song that we got permission from Maureen uh, play, and it's called I'm the Only One for You. Okay, so that was I'm the only one for you. Hope you like that. If you know what that sounds like, email us because <laughs> that intro, that riff in the beginning, that dun 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 dun. Jeremy thinks it sounds like um, REM. So now the second artist uh, to give a listen to, he's an old friend of mine. Believe it or not, from back in the late '80s. Um, I say friend. He was a friend of a friend. I may have met him. I don't think I met him more than once, so, but we, we were, we kind of had a mutual friend in there, but, but he messaged me on Facebook, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago and told me, cause he, he is a DJ on WDIY, which is out of, I don't know if you've heard of that station, Jeremy, it's out of Bethlehem. Sounds familiar. Okay. okay. It's like a local. It it reaches Easton and doesn't reach, you know, I mean, you, I don't think you can get it in California. I don't know, unless they, I think they stream though, anyway. So he, he's been a DJ there since 1995. Okay. And back in the late 80s, I recorded some, say they were weird. <laughs> they were my, they were stories, like weird stories, but I do music under, like with them, like background, but it, it was okay. mostly spoken word. And one thing okay. I did was a recording called i called it squished mm -hmm. and it was me imitating john lennon talking about reflecting <laughs> on his time with the beatles and uh it was kind of a, a somber thing wasn't very long but he told me that he still he plays that on the radio <laughs> nice when he messaged me he had played it the night before and actually went on their website and I saw when he played it and it's my real name Rob Lilly right so I thought that was pretty cool that he remembered that I do have a recording of that but maybe another podcast will <laughs> play I have to listen, go back and listen to see if it's worthy uh, um, so anyway my friend's name is Stuart Brodian so he's a songwriter scriptwriter, and like I said DJ WDIY uh, 88.1 and he's on the air on Thursdays from 1 to 4 and Saturdays from 11 to 1 a.m. He ran an independent record label called Mountain Records from 1983 to the early 2000s. And he is from, uh, I'd say he's from, I'm not sure exactly where he's from, but I'm going to say he lives around Bethlehem, Allentown area, Lehigh Valley. And he released music, um, not of his own, but, you know, bands. And most notably, a guy by the name of Gigi Allen, who was very big in the punk. The guy was out of his mind. 
I remember my friend Steve, Steve, who was a friend with Stuart, liking this guy. The guy would do some vile things on stage. He ended up either killing himself or ODing or something back you know, okay. a while ago. But anyway, if you look up Gigi Allen, you'll, you'll find him. He, <laughs> he had his own uh, group of followers. So Stuart's published two books, I'm Not Snooky, or, <laughs> or What I Really Think About Society and Why. Here's the future you asked for. He also works as a celebrity impersonator. And the celebrity he impersonates is Howard Stern. Okay. Stewart is tall and uh, kind of had the hair, still has the hair. And he's appeared on Howard Stern's show. He has appeared on America's Got Talent when Howard Stern was a judge. He said the show's producers flew me out there. I don't hmm. know if that was, I guess it was L.A., I thought it was in New York, the show, but he produced and aired a comedy TV pilot, Double or Nothing. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Stuart. Uh, you can find him on Facebook and YouTube. And this is his song. And as Jeremy's girlfriend, Kristen, would say, this has oh. an old, old-timey sound to it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, Kristen. That's funny. <laughs> so we're going to let Stuart take us out. We thank everybody for listening today. We'll have another podcast coming out on the movie Footloose. So stay tuned for that. So here's Stuart with his song, Ain't That Kind of Guy. Thank you, everyone. Remember to turn off that TV. And turn up the music. Listening to No Good Music, intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Rob J. Lilly and recorded at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts.